Welcome to Continuous Dream. Today, we have four short comedies for you to enjoy. A Cup of Tea, Pre-Existing Condition, Klingon, and a review of Waiting for Godot for the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle. Here's a cup of tea for you. Oh, thanks. That's nice. It's the least I can do since you read my novel. Right. I just finished it. Great. About a couple. Kind of like us. Like us? Well, write what you know. Drink your tea while it's hot. I wasn't expecting a murder mystery. Didn't I tell you? No. That's what you've been locked in the den writing. Night after night. Devising. Did you like it? It's pretty good, isn't it? The wife looked like me, I think. Looked like you? Well, she was the wife. I was just describing a wife. Have your tea. Long brown hair, blue eyes... And a voice like nails on a chalkboard? Poetic license. The husband was so cold, so calculating, pretending to be the perfect husband, bringing her tea, waiting for the chance to poison her with cyanide. 250 pages of toil and sweat. It's good, isn't it? Now, go ahead. Drink some tea. You'll like it. It's rosehip and almond. You like almond? Drink up. cross and blue shield how may i help you i can't believe i got through to a human being i need to go to the hospital but i have a pre-existing condition and i need to know if i would be covered what is your pre-existing condition i have a knife sticking out of my chest excuse me i was stabbed and i have a knife sticking out of my chest so i figure that's a pre-existing ma'am are you bleeding kind of yeah Kind of a lot, actually. Ma'am, you need to call 911. But I want to make sure, because maybe I needed your permission to go to the emergency room, like before I was stabbed. Ma'am, I'm sending an ambulance to you right now. That's okay. The bus stop is right in front of my building. I just want to know if I'm covered. Can you look it up? All right. Were you stabbed at home or at your place of work? At work. Oh. Then you want workman's compensation and... We don't cover that. That's okay. Never mind. I think I need to lie down. Ma'am? Ma'am? I have had it with that kid. Donald, stop shouting. He'll hear you. I want him to hear me. I should have turned him over my knee. If he doesn't shape up, I'm going to ship him out. Do you hear me? That kid needs a good military school. He's not going to military school. The kid is wasting his life. Video games and whatever the hell those card games are. How do we know he's not in a cult? It's not a cult, the doctor said. The doctor's a moron. He can go to hell. What I need to do is beat it out of him. Beat it out of him once and for all. Is he in his room playing games? I'll go up there right now. Donald, sit down. The hell I will. Sit down. I'll talk to him. You're too easy on him. Donald, I will talk to him. Now, sit down. I will handle it. Billy? Billy, honey? Are you in there? It's Mom. Can I come in? Elsos. Does that mean come in? El. Elsos. Okay. Hi, Billy. How are you? Luke. Luke. Is that good? Hija. We need to talk. Look. In English. 
Billy, you can't go through life refusing to speak English. No one knows Klingon, Billy. No one will understand you. I don't understand you. Could be. It's a problem. You can't go to school and only speak in Klingon to your teachers. Ned. You were at the top of your class. They can't grade papers in Klingon. Answer me! Kaipe! In English. Don't you put on those headphones while we're talking. We have to talk about this. I talked to a doctor today. He says you might be schizophrenic. He said we might have to put you somewhere. In a hospital. Is that what you want? Gob! Where they don't speak Klingon. But they're hiring people who speak it at these hospitals for people like you. And I don't think a hospital is where you belong. Do you? Gob! Answer me in English. Billy, you have to answer me. We need to talk about this. A Klingon dictionary? You have a Klingon dictionary? Where did you get it? Yet. Why do you do this? Why? Cuddle? Cuddle? Ned. 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 Easy. It's easy? It's easier to talk in Klingon? It's not easier, young man. I want an answer. Why do you do this? Why do you... Do you know how much trouble you're causing? Hobbesing. No trouble. Listen to me. You are talking gibberish. It's a made-up language from the 1960s. That doesn't mean anything. Kitch vai mitchi. Kedge vai. It means something to you. Billy, you have to get along in the world. The rest of the world doesn't speak Klingon. Jikuch. Don't turn away. Kuch. Happy. You're happy. How will you be happy going through life this way? I can't bear it. If it turns out that maybe you're sick. Why are you doing this? Why? Coddle. Coddle? Roach. Rojmab. Roj. Rojmab. Peace. To be at peace. Tloy Wab. Ji ne Rojmab. Tloy Wab. Tloy. Too much. Wab. Noise. Too much noise. And you want peace. Hija. Yes. Billy. I'll tell you what. Do you remember when you were playing too many video games and we said you could play an hour a day? If you kept your grades up? Well, I'll tell you what. You can talk in Klingon for an hour a day. One hour. After school. If you only talk in Klingon for an hour a day, I won't have to send you away somewhere. And there'll be some changes here. It won't be so noisy. Will you do that for me, honey? Chuck. In English. You have to answer in English now. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what we're going to do. I only know that you have to answer me in English right now, or I don't know the consequences. Please, Billy. I love you. Mom loves you. Shosh, bam, kom, poo, clod. Mother loves son. Shosh, bam. Bong Puklod, please, Billy, please. Okay, Mom. What? Oh, that was English. Okay. That's better. How are you? Fine. Is everything okay at school? Sure. So, one hour a day. Okay, Mom. You know, 
When I was around your age, my friends and I had our own secret language. We called it Sprinkalian. Yeah? Mary and Brenda and I made it up. Our own secret code. You had your own language? Even in school? We dared each other to use it to our teachers, but we never did. We just used it to gossip and talk about the other kids. We were sort of outcasts. But one day, one day, the week before prom, when it was my turn to lead homeroom in the Pledge of Allegiance, I recited it in Sprinkalian. <laughs> U darse fidealium at lo nationity tarazoi at americasma. <laughs> it was a scandal. I was suspended from school for three days, and I was kicked out of the National Honor Society. I didn't do it to be a smart aleck. I was protesting. The Army had set up a recruiting center in the guidance office, and it was my own protest. Word spread all over town. My prom date was going into the ROTC, so he dumped me the minute he heard. Then I was fired from my job after school at America's Best Frozen Yogurt. I spent prom night in my room listening to ABBA and reading a biography of Frida Kahlo. It was such a pleasant, peaceful evening, <sighs> since my parents weren't speaking to me. Well, we do funny things when we're young, huh? What would you like for dinner? Um, meatloaf? Okay, meatloaf. It'll be ready at six o'clock. Thank you, Billy. Okay, Mom. Mom loves you. Shosh, bang, boom, pukload. Love you too, Mom. Dear Editor, I was recently appalled to learn that Saul's a theater critic, you will not be reviewing the once-in-a-lifetime production of Waiting for Godot, coming all the way from Ireland to the Baron von Steuben Theater here this week in a limited engagement. As an avid theatergoer and sometime dilettante, I have written this review for your consideration. You're welcome. I arrived at the theater and took my seat in the front row of the balcony with a great view of the stage, set with a bare tree and a large, round rock, like a poof. It was all appropriately bleak and beautiful. Estragon entered the stage and took his seat on the rocky poof. The crowd hushed for several moments, but nothing more happened as it was fifteen minutes to showtime, so the crowd resumed its chatter. I would have liked the audience to sit and watch him silently for that fifteen minutes, but some people must be continually in conversation. I checked my watch at seven-thirty, irritated by the late arrival of much of the audience. Most galling of all was that none of them looked at all embarrassed or ashamed, strolling in to take their seats as if walking in a park. Some of them even carried in Starbucks coffees. Knowing they were running late, they had still stopped for lattes. Infuriating. The announcement came on to switch off our phones. I had done so before leaving the house, of course. But as the house lights went down, I was chagrined to see the brightly illuminated face of a woman who had waited until then to turn off her phone. She was more noticeable than Estragon himself for ten long seconds, and I wished the earth would open up and swallow her. At last the show could start. 
I was delighted by the comedic interpretation of the production and more delighted that the audience laughed at the right places and rewarded the precise, humorous timing of the actors with an appropriate jollity. I was, however, distracted by the high, showy laugh of one woman behind me whose lone peal sounded several times when the rest of the audience was quiet. I found that embarrassing, to say the least. Unfortunately, the act of laughing seemed to irritate the lungs of many of this rather aged audience, so that on the heels of the merry chuckles rose a chorus of hideous coughs. Like a monk's antiphonal chant, the coughs echoed back and forth across the theater like a salutation in response. The coughs increased as the act wore on, and I would like to take this opportunity to apologize to our Irish friends for the pulmonary weakness engendered by a lifetime of living in a land where bitter winter lasts from October to June. Lucky did his big speech and collapsed onto the stage to appreciative applause. As a marvelous moon floated over the stage in a twilight glow, the act ended on a final bullfrog-like cacophony of phlegm and spittle. I stayed in my seat to watch a man on a stepladder attach three green and red striped leaves to the bare tree and arrange the pair of shoes at the edge of the stage. When the woman next to me returned from the lobby, she turned to me. Have you seen this before? she asked. No, but I've read it. How does it end? I think she was truly hoping that Gadao would show up. She proceeded to open a little bag of pretzels she'd bought at the bar and... I observed with alarm that she was going to eat them next to me during the second act. I tried to tune out the sound of her munching as the play and the coughing resumed. To my relief, the woman behind me had stopped laughing on her own. I tried to concentrate, fearing now that maybe I was missing something important. The play was building up to Pozzo's great crescendo of a speech, when I was disturbed by something white moving in the corner of my eye. A woman, to the left, and one row behind me, was fanning herself with her program. The motion of the fan moving in and out of my field of vision. Oh, how I longed, if not to murder everyone there, to release some gas that would paralyze the entire audience, stop their breathing and shuffling and hacking and fanning, and just let them be still for thirty minutes. They are born astride of a grave, Pozzo thundered, and my attention was drawn back to the stage. Despair rolled toward me from the bleak, blasted set as Vladimir and Estragon looked at us all and saw nothing but bones, murk, a charnel house. Maybe I was dead. Maybe all these noisome people were ghosts trying to get the attention of the living. Have I slept while others suffered? Vladimir asked. There was a gentle snore beside me. The woman to my left had fallen asleep, her head pressed against her fist, tightly clutching the bag of pretzels. From this moment, I waited. I felt something would happen. It became quiet, or somehow I had become deaf to these restless shades. One moment took me, absorbed me. I can't say why. In a moment of blessed silence, Vladimir asked the boy, demanding but pleading, Will you tell him that you saw me? 
to be seen. <gasps> to be seen. In the dim theater, a ribbon threaded through every restless hip and shoulder and croaking lung, through all their hearts, into and through my heart, connecting us all in a tide of human souls. One community, a community of struggling, imperfect beings, and the irritation and hatred that had hovered like a fog over my eyes melted into a moment. Could it last? A moment of breathless understanding of our common humanity. The audience gave a standing ovation, I'm glad to say, and I ignored as best I could the fragments I overheard behind me of, hmm, not my kind of thing. The sleeping woman awoke in time to stand and applaud, turning to me with a quizzical air. A pretzel was embedded in her cheek. There's a pretzel stuck on you, I said. She pulled it off and charmingly popped it in her mouth. I could have kissed her. <laughs> This has been Continuous Dream. A Cup of Tea starred Aaron Caswell and Pete Blatchford. Pre-Existing Condition starred Aaron Caswell and Lindsay Summers. Klingon starred Aaron Caswell, Baird Brucher, and Pete Blatchford. And A Review of Waiting for Godot for the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle starred Pete Blatchford. Written by Amy Kreider. Our sound engineer was Alvaro Ledesma. Recorded in Chicago at Mystery Street Recording Company. Please check out our website, continuousdream.com, and consider supporting us on Patreon. Thanks for listening.